No problem. And we're back. And today we are returning to an idea that I parked for a while due to uh, laziness and disorganization and being too Virgo about it. Uh, that I started almost around this time last year. Uh, when I posted an episode called Canada Day. So a friend and I did uh, a very old movie where our favorite, one of our favorite Canadian actors, Keanu Reeves, uh, has a very small part as a hockey player in a movie that actually doesn't really feature him. It more features uh, Patrick Swayze and some other people, yada, yada, yada. I've invited back one of my favorite people. As I said before, the only woman who's ever penetrated me that I still talk to, because I realize it may not have been entirely accurate last time, that I still talk to, <laughs> Rian. Hello. And Rian is an artist who lives in Montreal. Uh, her primary method of art delivery is other people's skin. Yes, I am a tattoo artist. And right now, as a tattoo artist, uh, you're at home with your lovely cat ollie <laughs> yeah that, guy, that guy's not my favorite right now <laughs> a little high maintenance he's currently yeah. humping a pillow right next to me it's really disturbing and your your derpy derp yeah my puppers my dog my cat my dog yeah the only two beings i've really been able to hang out with as i assume most people with pets <laughs> since this all started Yes, and Rihanna's in Montreal, one of the coolest cities in Canada, uh, the city with the good food and the excellent drinks. So if you go back to my Avengers episode, uh, you'll hear us hungover and getting drunk again. I think that's what <laughs> happened during that one. Well, we did a rewatch yeah, before. Hangover. Yeah, we did a rewatch before Endgame, uh, I guess just over a year ago again, because Endgame kind of just yeah. recently came out ish a year ago. Yeah, it's been a year, world. And <laughs> if if there's anything that I think we need right now, it's the sweet uh doe-eyed embrace of one Keanu Reeves. So mm -hmm. uh today we're gonna be talking about Constantine, a film that came out in two thousand five. Uh, this was an interesting uh, time in Mr. Reeves's uh, film career, uh, but first we'll do a summary. It's uh, based on the DC comic Hellblazer, uh, featuring one John Constantine, supernatural exorcist and demonologist. John Constantine helps a policewoman prove her sister's death was not a suicide, but something more. Uh, director was Francis Lawrence. You may know him from other movies where there's lots of fire, like... The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Mockingjays Part 1 and 2, and many episodes of Gotham and other things. He also used to do videos. He did a video short for Lady Gaga called Bad Romance, uh, Beyonce's Run the World. So this guy's good with ladies on film, good with fire on film. Was he an arsonist as a child? We'll never know. Some of the writing staff behind the movie include... Garth Ennis, who is from the comic book world, and Jamie Delano. Uh, Kevin Brobden is credited with the story, uh, as well as the screenplay. And Frank A. Capello is also credited with the screenplay. What often happens with comic book movies is, especially if it's based specifically on a run, 
or if you need to talk to the originators to get rights, uh, they'll have some of the people from the comic book world involved. And we'll get into the whole comic book of it all because uh, another reason why it's good to have Rihanna on this one, she literally has the map of most comic book universes tattooed on her body. Mm-hmm. So at this well, point... Well, it is written by Alan Moore, and he's, yeah. he's just given us some beauties, so... So at this point in his career, 2005, from Keanu, we've already had Bill and Ted is way in the rear view in 1990. Um, Speed was 94. His Mm -hmm. first Dance with the Devil was just before The Matrix. Devil's Advocate was in 97. Matrix is 99. This one is at a weird point in his career because we're after like the other matrices, Reloaded and Revolutions. So he's already made all that Matrix money. He still made this. So many questions I have for this man I would love to ask. And it's right before The Lake House, a weird time-traveling drama romance that I kind of love, even though it's weird. <laughs> I love weird. that movie so hard. I love that movie so much. It has one of my favorite Paul McCartney songs, which is, a, like, not a Beatles song, but a specifically a Paul McCartney song. Like, this this never happened before or something like the song that they did. Da- okay. We're tangenting, but it's the song that they dance to like both times. Oh, okay. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That song is so good. So yeah. Anyway. And also just before a scanner darkly, but because of the, um, that weird kind of style of like filming and then animating over it, maybe he'd done a scanner darkly before this, but this is the period in Keanu's career where I feel like he really just said, you know what? I got that matrix money. I'm kind of up for everything. I'm going to figure it out. It's like an in-between time. And you can tell, like, he's really loose. Like, he's seems like he's relaxed and having a good time. So I think, especially since this is based on a comic book, although one that I haven't read a lot of Constantine in a while. Like, we have some in the house. But I was always more of a Lucifer gal than a Constantine gal. I think just because mm. Lucifer is more of a, just a straight-up whore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Constantine has us all, like, oh, you only going to hell. <laughs> Lucifer's like been there. Now I'm partying on Earth. So, like for you, Reg, just general thoughts on the movie and Constantine as a character in general. Also, bonus question: Would you ban Constantine, comic book character, movie character, both? Which one would you want more? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, but let's do general Constantine. But <laughs> because I'm such a, a hard to answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll talk um, about bangability of Constantine. So when the mo- I saw the movie pretty much when it came out. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I did see it the same year it came out, and I really liked it. I even got it on DVD because I liked it so much. Um, mostly because the the cast is phenomenal and amazing, and I I have a crush on everyone in it, with the exception of Shayla both. Um, but yeah. Uh, I thought the movie was good because it's kind of its own thing. It was very, it is based on a comic book by Alan Moore. And um, it's, I like the graphic novel, novels and series, but it, it's not, it's more loosely based on it. In my opinion, Um, there was like, if you're a purist, you're probably going to be one of those people that hated this movie because purists hate everything. (laughs) <laughs> but uh no i enjoyed it i got a kick out of it it brought back like it, anything that has to do with angels and demons and possession and religion and that kind of stuff 
is always something I'm like fascinated by because I was brought up in a really crazy strict Christian household. So it's just something I've always been fascinated with, even though I no longer follow any religions. Um, Not that I'm judging anyone who does, but me personally, I'm just kind of like, it's entertainment. Yeah. I thought it was just great. So general, um, when I look at the movie compared to comic book movies of that time and comic book movies currently, I kept thinking this movie would have probably done better now. Like the darkness, the trigger warnings up the Yahoo for self-harm. But yeah, the darkness, everything from like the way it shot, the tone, like the lighting. um, It, it's like, it feels like what Zack Snyder tries to do, but doesn't get there. Well, it's like the post Batman trilogy. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, you know, uh, Batman Begins. It's it's ever since that trilogy was made and it was made to be so dark and serious and pretty much for adults, really. Um, other than what Marvel started doing much later, it took the comic book movie genre and made it more intriguing for adults. Like it was more serious. It was taken more seriously. It was being critiqued more seriously. It was being considered for awards even. Whereas if you look at Batman and Robin and uh, Val Kilmer as Batman, where he has a lisp, I'll never get over. Like Kara and I, my friend Kara and I talk about this all the time. Whenever we want to get a laugh randomly in the middle of the conversation, we're like, tell me, do you like the thirkith? Because that's how Val Kilmer says it. He says it with us. <laughs> You'll never unhear that. <laughs> um, it's you know, you had you had the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, shaved, painted silver with glowing teeth and a posse on rollerblades in an ice temple. Like that was what that's Batman that I grew up with. And then in my twenties, out comes late twenties, out comes this Batman begins and everybody's like, Whoa, Constantine came up before then. But I think that's why it kind of flew under the radar. First off, it was based on a graphic novel that isn't the most popular or common in the general public. And I think a lot of people did see it because it was Keanu Reeves coming off of the matrix and then quickly might have been put off because it wasn't quite what they expected. Um, I don't think Constantine gets the recognition it should. That's for sure. Definitely. Every rewatch, I'm like, this was good. Like, this was even, I enjoy it more each time. I notice more things each time. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the things they do with the cinematography. So the DOP on this bad boy is some dude named Philippe Rousselot. And he's done a lot of like cool looking genre shit, including Big Fish, the Sherlock Holmeses, like the, the Fantastic Beasts, which say what you want about the stories. Those movies look good. So he's good with like genre things and a lot of things I noticed about the way it was shot. 
there was a lot of stuff where you see when you see John, it's like from above, and a lot of stuff when you see her, it's from below. That's I didn't notice that stuff till like the fifth or mm-hmm. sixth rewatch. Like, and then when it's the two of them together, then it's like kind of like more straight ahead angles and stuff. Yeah, but when it's just her and her like dealing with stuff with her sister, it's like a slightly twisted angle. So yeah. like they thought about this, and also like a lot of one of the things whenever I'm watching a movie that I know is based on a comic book. Even if I know they aren't pulling stuff straight from panel, I know the art design and like the production design, like they can't get away from that. And I love that. Like there's so many shots in this movie where I'm like, this would be a beautiful comic book shot. And like not every comic book shot from a movie needs to look like the, you know, first Avengers movie protecting the patio table shot or the Age of Ultron one, which say what you want about that movie, but all of them running across the field at the beginning. Like it's a beautiful like sort of double panel shot. But, like, there's one with John walking down, like, a red hallway that kind of looks like that bar that we went to that night when we went to, like, oh, yeah. three bars in one night. I don't remember. Anyway, but the one that has, like, a sort I of... I can't remember the name of that bar, but... But it has, like, a, a oh, Vatican gift shop. There we go. Yeah. Oh, yes, has, yes, like, yes. Yeah, that has, like, this sort of, like, it looks like a little, you know, Vatican entryway at the beginning, and then it's all sort of, you know, Church of the Damned in the back of the bar. Yes. Like, in the red lighting or whatever, he's coming down a hallway, I think maybe when he's heading to pop at midnights and it's like red and whatever, like there's a lot of shots in this movie that are just like chef's kiss, like beautiful production design art director. So art director is some cat named David Lazan, who currently is on Westworld and has also done stuff like wrinkle in time and man, uh, the equalizer, one of the fast and furious size, Furious Eyes? What's what's the pearl for Fast and Furiouses? The Fast and Fabulouses? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. The Point Break with Cars. We'll get there when we do Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, you, get production... you get sucked in, let me tell you. It's not something I'm proud of. The production designer is a lady named Naomi Shohan. She's worked on some like cool-ass shit, including Lovely Bones and American Beauty. So, like, again, and you think of Lovely Bones, you think, like, it's kind of like a Seattle slash Vancouver kind of vibe with the lighting, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, wet, dark, cold kind of you know you energy. Twilight. Yeah, I mean, I could do a whole, I actually went to a talk that the woman who did the first Twilight before they booted her, like, and hired other people, Catherine Hardwick, I think. Yeah. She, uh did a talk at TIFF about like all the stuff that she did with like using the natural stuff with the trees and like the moss and the green and the cool colors. So the cool blues were more in Edward's look and feel. And then hers were more earth tones. And then as they come together, she like gradually, like they were gradually changing their wardrobe because she comes from like an art artist and production design background. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I mean, it makes you rewatch a twilight and think, okay, I'll put this on mute. Cause they're pretty. And the production design's great. And you just think, Oh, this looks good. Plus the baseball scene. <laughs> Everyone loves the baseball scene. That's like just fun. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, we were talking <laughs> the look of it. It has that kind of like, it's, it's wet, it's dark, but there's still like a lot of warm tones and a lot of like the wood. And like when they go into the church environments, the, mm-hmm. Don't get me started on the fucking suits that they have Gavin Rossdale and Tilda Swinton in. <sighs> Double so perfect. Gavin Rossdale, I forgot how hot he was. Uh, he, he, yeah, looking back, 
I get why so many of my high school friends had crushes on him. Yeah. I was not one of those people. I was never really into Bush, but goddamn, that man could wear a suit. I mean, were you into Bush, though? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean. I I think I think in high school I was much more and I was I was super in love with Scottie Pippen back then because like the Bulls were at the end of their amazing career, um, and I think that just preoccupied all my love. So Gavin Rossdale didn't get any. <laughs> yeah, I but was, no, he's a very attractive man. Like he's he's a hottie for sure. I mean, he barely registered for me back then, but every time I rewatch this, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very like the combination of both him and Tilda. Um, oh, delightful! Reminds me why I'm bisexual, like because it's like oh, 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 like both of them in those suits. Like oh. as a straight woman, it yeah. made me question my straightness. <laughs> yeah, like what a great day in the fitting department if they were both in at the same time. Like oh, should. I have a half Windsor or a full Windsor. Their knots look so thick, though. I think they were full Windsors. Phrasing. Anyway, <laughs> point is, um, it looked good. And the tone and color story, again, reminded me of what I feel like Zack Snyder keeps trying to get to. But he's missing the warmth. So, like, that very super desaturated beginning of Man of Steel and other things that's just, like, so yeah. takes all of the color out of a character that's literally a fucking primary color, like, storybook. Even though John Constantine's more, like, you know, grays and tans and whatever. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I, I really can warm it up. Harrison, for sure, to Zack Snyder. Like, I definitely can. I think that the thing, what you, what you, and it's agreeing with what you're saying, Zack Snyder just feels like he's being a bit of a tryhard at that kind of feeling that is, that you get from Constantine. And then Zack Snyder's movies just fall a bit flat. Yeah. I would also pair this with Joker. While I'm still iffy on that movie, I would say that kind of color story of the way Joker kind of looks like Taxi Driver era in New York. I have not seen Joker. It's a lot. I'm not even going to tell you to rush out and see it. It's a lot. Especially right now. Something that appeals to me. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the the character. And then the, I, I hear it's really well acted and it's a good movie. And I believe that it's just, just watch Birds of Prey again. And actually that's another movie that this one kind of, Again, Birds of Prey is much more colorful and kinetic, but if you take all the characters out and just have the sets, I can definitely see John Constantine moving through the Birds of Prey world because it's sort of like rough around the edges. There's like, you know, paint is peeling, you know, fixtures. Yeah, it shows the grime. Yeah, fixtures are shiny, but like the the grout is like dirty. Like it's very that. Yeah. Very lived-in environment. And I just... I love the way it looked. And that's before I even get to Keanu's face, which I think mm-hmm. we all agree uh, to paraphrase Deadpool is a face we all love to sit on. So, <laughs> I mean, yes, I, 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 I've been hot and cold with Keanu. I've always loved him. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but the moment I, I was like, this man can act was in the movie Speed. <laughs> I don't know if that's because his biceps were acting so hard for me, but 
I mean, that's the movie where I was like, this is a man I'm going to watch every movie he comes out with. No worries. And then yeah. after that, um, it was Devil's Advocate. That's That movie is what sealed the deal for me. Um, but as something I wanted to sit on, that only happened much later when he started looking a little like haggard and old. And a little crusty. more grizzled? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the pretty boys. I always go for the like busted up ones a little bit, even though he's still a very beautiful man in the John Wick movies trilogy. Yeah. Um, very pretty man. But he's just, he's a little less perfect, chiseled, perfect looking. He's just more old experience yeah. <laughs> there's been some miles on that road some rough road that, that salt and pepper coming in you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's happening yeah yeah so anyway yeah Keanu sorry Keanu is great uh let's talk about the female lady who actually has a first and last name a full backstory a job and shit to do so mm-hmm. I don't know if this movie ever actually passes a Bechdel test it probably doesn't but it's pretty good in the way it treats Rachel Weiss. Definitely. Arguably better than she is treated in the Mummy movies. Oh, yeah. Although I love the Mummy movies, but not all of them. But um, her character is really... She's not just... An, um, she's very proactive. Her character is very proactive. She comes... She has she comes agency. Constantine, not because she's a damsel in distress because her twin sister dies. Spoiler alert. Her twin sister dies saying his name. So she's like, all right, I need to figure out this mystery. She said his name. He's going to help me do this. He's a tool as in a utility tool, not as in a loser. Oh, um, he's also a tool. They keep bumping well, into each other and he's rude oh, to yeah. her, like the first two interactions before they like talk for realsies. True. True. Um, and it, just shows her as very intelligent, very persistent, um, even though she kind of gets tut-tutted away in the beginning and not really taken seriously. She's very persistent, doesn't like give up. Like she has a drive and I really like that about her. And then uh, fast forwarding a bit in the plot line, towards the end, she becomes this very important person who is this, like the reason why they solve some of the issues they have and also becomes responsible for taking care of a very important piece of mythology, I guess you call it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like know. She, I didn't, she because I, she's like the strong character, basically. And I think both versions of her, because she plays also plays her twin sister. Yes. So yes. her twin sister is portrayed as, you know, problematic from a mental health perspective, but still um understood what was going down earlier than her sister and yeah. while the choice she makes leads her sister on a path of having to go to the church and like whatever and ultimately leads to like a big decision point for John later on she also is portrayed in a way like just because somebody's perceived to have mental health issues doesn't mean you should discount everything they say. Exactly. Yeah. And that's another thing that um, her sister, the, the other Rachel Weiss character, Angela, fights for. 
And they touch on it very briefly, but they don't really get into it. And I like that you don't have an answer because I feel like if you see the things that Constantine can see and they Mm. have like a very quick little montage uh, where they have him explaining what it was like for him growing up because he was born with the gift of being able to see behind the veil, basically. Yeah. Uh, how do other people treat you? How will your family treat you? Whatever. And he says, basically, they did what most parents would do. They've made it worse. And you see him getting, like, ECT kind of therapy and whatever. So we don't know, really, if the twin sister had any additional real um, mental health issues that were perhaps induced by treatment or medication that was forced on her or even uh, just throughout her life or actual having um, the vision too can mess with your brain you in know? addition because it does seem like there was always a bit of uh, more of a willingness on uh, the part of the other sister to acknowledge what she was seeing Yes. Where this other sister was pragmatic enough to say, I see what you're seeing, but we can't tell people this shit. They'll think we're not well. So yeah. they were always different from the beginning. So they don't they don't go all the way into like give you a definite like ones and zeros, like this sister could like function, you know, in quote unquote. It's a very subtle it's a way of showing yeah. you the personalities and yeah. kind of what their characters were. And she did, Rachel Weiss did a great job of portraying, like, the differences. And they didn't style them that much differently, except for, like, I'd say, like, maybe 20 more tracks in the hair for the sister who had been <laughs> committed. Just to give her more of, like, that big, bushy, like, <laughs> I've been committed hair look. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. And maybe, like, they, they brushed her eyebrows in the wrong direction because she has, like, a good brow. But that was, I didn't, they didn't do much to style them differently. No. Yeah. No, yeah, so that was she. She was really good in this. I enjoyed her character, Shia LaBeouf. Here's the thing: I have a lot of feelings about him, but then after I watched Honey Boy at TIFF last year, a movie that I didn't love, but he gives you a real view into the way he was raised. And then I'm looking at this version of him, which is sort of like post Even Stevens before he became like super like out there, and then before he became the version he is now, which is basically doing his therapy live in the world. Like, between making that movie and, like, talking about stuff that happened when he was growing up, I'm looking at him thinking, like, oh, my God, this kid probably actually was smoking more cigarettes on set than anybody else. Like, for realsies, this kid was probably actually, like, driving that old New York cab. Like, he was probably doing all this stuff because of the way he was raised, where he had these parents who were, like, well, very I mean, much, like, show parents that, like, raised him, like, you know, and he was like, he was a little Drew Barrymore, which I, I, I knew he had some shit growing up. But like, after I watched Honey Boy, I was like, damn, Shia, like you came up rough. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I can't say I'm a huge fan of him. But I'm not I, a huge I get, fan. Of it. But I, get, like, I get why he is the way he is. I can yeah. see how that happened and everything. However, that doesn't matter to me. To me, the character of Chaz. I think yes, it was, right? Chaz. Chaz. Um. <laughs> It was just like a failed like white boy short round. Yeah. Like, he only has just... he has the one good moment when they're doing the like exorcism moment over Rachel hmm. or Angel yeah, Angela. But I think like, that... he they, they didn't the the way they wrote him and maybe also the a bit the way he was acted. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't care about his character. He had the good scene, that one good scene. And then I was just kind of like, oh, oh no. Well, I don't really care. I didn't really care. Yeah. About his character at all. Um, he, I don't know why. And that, the first time I saw him was before I was annoyed by Shia LaBeouf. So I know, I never really liked that character. It was before Shia LaBeouf was like the persona he is now that I find slightly irritating. So I think it was just really, I didn't enjoy the the way that character was. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm only now like in very much hindsight, like literally this is the first rewatch. Actually, no, I rewatched it once since TIFF last year where I'm like, now I'm giving him the like kind of, oh, now I know how you grew up bonus. And yeah. saying, oh, this isn't a kid from a Disney show trying to, like, act tough. If anything, this character that's, like, hanging out with adults in, like, very inappropriate, unsafe situations is more like your real life than your Disney show life. But that still doesn't make me like the character. There's a disconnect, yeah. though, because yeah. I think they were trying to have that Disney kid that's kind of doing all these, have that offset of this Disney younger kid, happy-go-lucky that's doing all these things like smoking and trying to get into bars and an apprentice for an exorcist. And, you know, maybe that's why it was off-putting because he didn't come across as that innocent kid or not. And he wasn't supposed to be an innocent kid, but he didn't have that charm. Yeah, no, he definitely liked the charm. Yeah, he had the chutzpah, but without the charm. There was no charm. Yeah. Yeah, and down the line in the IMDb list, although maybe not for screen time, uh... Jaiman Hunsu. Who, oh, yeah, I know. How <laughs> many comic book movies has this motherfucker been in? Like, when I think about it now, he's been in, like, a few. Like, he was, like, old guy in Shazam. He oh, was yeah. in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they brought him back, I think, for Endgame. Like, for... Was it for Endgame or for Infinity War? Endgame. Maybe both. Definitely Endgame. Because you get the flashback when they do the whole... Whatever. Yeah, but either way... Yeah, Captain Marvel. Like, he's been in a lot of genre stuff, and he's double-dipped on both Universi. And he's also done the voice on the TV series uh, for Black Panther. Like, this guy's just, he's everywhere. Love him. It's been a lot of I absolutely adore him. I like anything he's in. So good. Yeah. I'm glad he... Yeah. Sorry? And I love Pop of Midnight. I'd almost want a Pop of Midnight movie. Like that would be fun. Like if I you- think actually, yeah. I what you were saying before earlier as kind of a little mini intro to this. Should there be a sequel? And I, fuck yeah, like much older version of Constantine that's still doing the same shit. Yeah, he his cancer back because he didn't stop smoking. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, definitely, I'd be down. I would see that in a heartbeat, especially if a lot of the same characters like Tilda Swinton and. Um, I'm definitely down. Yeah, Tilda Swinton pretty much looks the oh, same, so she could be in a Peter Stormare. Stormare. <gasps> oh, Stormare. Okay. Don't forget him. He like he's Lucifer doing... one and two. I love him in he's everything doing... he does. He's doing the most. <laughs> he is doing the most, and it is great. He's in it for like maybe a smooth five to ten minutes. But everything from his, like, barefoot, white-suited, dripping, like, tar entry. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. He's such a good... He's almost at the level of um, Ian McShane 
I would say he's like a, a more almost. like he's not quite there for me, but he's almost there. I mean, he is he that, did do love joy, right? So yeah, like it's like that Eastern European Ada McShane though. Pruitt Taylor Vince, aka Priest with no. the eyes. He freaks me out in everything he does. He basically came up playing murderers on New York crime procedurals. That was yes, okay, thank you. Yeah. He's a child molester on Laws Law and on, Order SVU. On everything. And, and on everything. On everything. He's got that and, body, he's got that face. He has like actually an eye kind of condition, I think. Yeah. He has that condition where he can actually like he that's not special effects. He can yeah. make them do that. And he freaks me the fuck out in every role he does. To the point where if I ever met him, my question would be, is it worth it? Is it worth it to be known as that pedophile guy on all the murder shows? But um, I mean, he, had he a does, long career. does the role really, really well. So he does a good job. And honestly, I mean, he didn't have to go out like that because uh, Angela did not hold on to the amulet. He seemed to like understand keeping that on your person was pretty key if you were susceptible yeah. to the messages that the upstairs and downstairs are giving you. Uh, other characters. Oh, Max Baker, who plays the guy in the bowling alley. That is a guy that I haven't seen a lot, but I really loved him in that he was just kind of adorable. And he has even more of a, hey, it's that guy face. Like when I go through his IMDb, I'm like, I've probably seen the stuff he's been in, but he's, he's definitely like not even a recurring on a lot of things. He's like a one and done episode kind of guy. Like he's he was in um, one episode of Daredevil. Have you ever seen that documentary called that guy in that, that thing or that guy in that movie? It's about, Act, I, that's probably not the exact name of the documentary, but it's a great documentary. Um, it's about actors who are immediately recognizable, but people never know from what or who they are because they always play secondary, less important characters. Yeah. Um, he would be in that documentary. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. He, uh, his whole bit in the bowling alley and whatever, loved it. It was great. And again, you sort of understand why Constantine would go to this person for help and why he liked him and why he felt some type of way. He got X'd out. Uh, Jose Zuniga as the detective, you know, your typical kind of like, let's throw in a Latinx person because we're missing everything else. And this is supposed <laughs> to be New York. Uh, does a good job because you have like Jesse Ramirez playing like the guy who finds the... Uh, Spear of Destiny, but I don't even know if he gets any Oops, lines. Sorry. He basically just gets yeah, I don't around. I, yeah, yeah. It's more like these are definitely the token roles. Yeah, but, but the further down you get, like you don't recognize anybody else. But really, for me personally, next to Keanu, the person I think about most when I think about this movie is Tilda Swinton, who mm-hmm. literally steps on his neck. I mean, I know that's an expression the kids use now, but she actually steps on his neck. <laughs> and I just have never envied someone's day at work more. Like getting to be canneries, like you get to lay down and just have, and I'm sure it's such a smooth foot. I'm sure it's I'm like sure she, she used those baby feet wraps. Yeah. I'm sure after a pedicure, she does like sort of, or even before, maybe she does like a buttermilk soak 
to like soften <laughs> and also like the natural. So you think spirit. you definitely don't think that was a foot model? That's definitely her I foot. I feel like that's her foot. I feel like she is so Tilda that she would be like, it needs to be my foot. She's like, for the performance, I need to put my foot on his neck. I loved that she was Gabriel and that it was just shown that Gabriel was this androgynous being that clearly was more feminine in form. However, she has enough androgyny that it just did that thing that toyed with you. Like not all angels are dudes, you know, Um, Gabriel is a dude's name, but no, here's this very androgynous, strong, terrifying, although lanky and skinny being, it was perfect. So good. So good. So like her in the suit, when he goes to the sort of, I think it's like a church situation early on Mm -hmm. when he bumps into the Rachel Weisz character. And then, I mean, her whole thing in the water near the end, that's her real move. Pause. Yeah. There you go. There we go. That's what we like to hear. (laughs) Yes. That means we're really settling into this podcast. (laughs) Yes. This beer was delivered by my new boyfriend from uh, left field. This podcast isn't sponsored. I probably cut this out in the edit, but I might leave it in. But a lovely man named Kevin from left field has brought beer to my house a few times during the Corona. Big fan. Big fan. Clutch player to use their hole. Ooh, nice. It's just a, a little rattler. A little rattler. Rattler. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's very sort of middle Europe, kind of Austria adjacent with your background. Uh, Makes being, sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so close. But yeah. Tilda, Tilda, Tilda. Tilda uh, has also done other comic book properties, most notably her role as the ancient one in. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. But what I love is that she does weird shit and commits all the way. Yeah, and she was fantastic in uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As Jadis, the White Witch. Yeah. And fantastic. I mean, everything she does. But the weird stuff is definitely... I mean, she does, like, good, like, straight down the middle stuff. Like, you know, we need to talk about Kevin, I think, she was in. Was she the mom in that one? That's, like, a straight down the line, like... Even you know, the last lovers on Earth? Oh, yeah, yeah. Only lovers left alive. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, like, yeah, Snowpiercer, right. Okja, whatever. Like, when mm-hmm. she gets weird, she leans all the fucking way in. And that's what elevates this movie. And that's why I feel like Tilda Swinton in 2005 wasn't like how we regard her now. I feel like one of the reasons this movie actually benefits from like viewing now versus then is, is to your point, the casting was so good that all of these performances have aged like a delicious wine, (laughs) including Keanu. We didn't understand what he was doing then, but I I'm starting to get it now. And I feel like listener who knows, you know, mommy likes her day wine. Maybe this will be like one for this year and I won't do another Keanu cast for another year. Or maybe I'll continue. But I feel like anytime I rewatch a Keanu movie, I actually see more in the performance every time. If anything, the the moments I see that I don't like, I feel like those are maybe writing or directing or editing choices. Like there's a voiceover at the end 
that was absolutely not needed and it totally took me out of it. Like the pre end before he like goes to visit the cemetery. Yeah. Like why, why are you giving me like this shitty blade runner voiceover at the end of this? Like just let him stand at the roof of the hospital and like have a moment. I don't need it spelled out. What just happened? I just watched the damn movie. But I also think that was, I think at the time this movie came out was a time when people still treated a lot of viewers like they were dumb and everything had to be explained to them. Especially for comic book movies. Yeah. Yeah. Comic book movies that aren't like everyone knows who Batman is kind of a thing. Um, I agree. Also, in regards to his acting, the way I look at it, Keanu Reeves has always acted the way he's acted. It's just that now the rest of the world has become fluent in his acting language. So we understand a little nuanced grunts and hmms and glares and stares and Head sides and one word replies. And we read so much more into it now because we know what all of that means. It's a loaded sigh. And that's a happy sigh. That's an angry sigh. That's a judging you sigh. Whereas before we were just like, this guy can't act. Where's all the verbosity? <laughs> Verbosity? Either way, he, he would never use that word, whatever pronunciation, in a film. In real yeah, life. No, he wouldn't in, need to. In real life, he's, like, smart. Like, I've oh, gone, yeah. I've gone to live talks that he's done and, like, Q&As. But it's just, you know, it's he almost has a similar problem to women who have very high voices who naturally end on, like, an upsound and again, he's a mostly white man, so it's not even close. But still, he has that challenge of like the his cadence and the tone and the tenor of his voice sounds like what we would think is kind of like a broy duty, not that clever kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, let's yeah. let's revisit the casting. So at the time, we were it was two thousand five, folks. So we were. <laughs> It was not in this current era of people using Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, to um, feel all their feelings out loud all over the world, all over other people, the way there is now. There was still some nerd rage around the casting of a dark-haired Constantine um, (laughs) that I feel like, interestingly enough now, at least I remember being online early and I remember seeing that debate then and I remember even seeing him cast and I already like read some Hellblazers and I was like oh Keanu Reeves like haven't we had enough of this guy because again the the last two matrices were not as great as the first and whatever and I love him but at that time I was like kind of Keanu'd out but I feel like now the debate around his casting would get into this weird place of like oh it's an Asian Constantine but it's not because it's I feel like most white people still don't know that he's part Asian. Like, all Asian people know, but most white people <laughs> don't. Like, it's this weird... No, he's very, like, white passing, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like a of cat. That, he's like, like, he's a white dude. Yeah, he's like a cat. He lives in the in-between. He's, like, <laughs> half in, half <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, the casting of him, people found he wasn't um, blonde. He wasn't British. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing. So I, again, that goes a lot of the people that had took issue with that were, were the purists of the graphic slash comic book genre, which can tend to be really nitpicky 
um, when it comes to that. Like, they're the same people that lost their shit because Nick Fury was a black man. And now they draw him as a black man in the comics. And everyone knows Nick Fury as Samuel L. Jackson. So it, they, they always shit their pants when something's done differently, especially when it's slightly changing it from their idealized white men superhero roles or protagonist roles. Personally, yeah. that's what I think or what I've seen happen, unfortunately. Although I do think people are getting slightly better now. Maybe just slightly not. better now. I feel like the the comic book charisma of John Constantine was a bit more in your face. I feel like Keanu's charisma is literally just based on his face. Like there's a lot <laughs> of moments in this movie where the two main characters are very close in each other's not socially distant safe circle. <laughs> and they never actually bone or anything, but you can tell that, you know, they would hit it. There's chemistry and, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like even when he's about to ride the chair pop at midnight, he's like, tell me it's not about the girl. He's like, it's not. totally something you can like take to your spank bank later. Yeah. He's like, it's not mostly not about the girl. Like, I don't know how he phrases it, but the way he phrases it, it's like very that. And and they mm-hmm. have like a great moment near the end of the movie, but it's just uh if you look at the fact that comic books have the ability to portray either with the art or the bubbles, whether it's a spoken word bubble or thought bubble, what a character is actually thinking or what people are thinking in reaction to them and what movies have to do, which is much more show, much less tell. Exactly. You, It's hard to like cast for exact look and level of charisma. Whereas if you put a Keanu Reeves in something, whether it's, 90s Keanu Reeves and Speed, 2000s Matrix, this, I, or like I mean, I, whatever. Like, that is, I want to talk to that guy. I want to help him. I want to help I him adopt do. a dog, lend him a car. <laughs> like, he I do, has, I agree with you to a certain degree, yes. However, yeah. I do think that it was strategically cast as Keanu Reeves because he was coming off of, you know, uh, a nerd property that did oh, well. Yeah, he's coming off the Matrix where he was really popular, and he became. That's what really the Matrix really pushed him to this level that he was really being respected and seen as like this action hero. Um, and then, but in a weird genre, like not just like a Superman type superhero role, but like this weird kind of, um, not your standard hero. And they wanted that look and feel because if they wanted to get a charismatic, amazing British blonde actor, there are tons of them out there. I know because I'm obsessed with British television and British movies and, you know, I subscribe to Acorn and BritBox. (laughs) And they also have the extra pool of Australians that do great British accents. Exactly. So they they could have hired someone. And I do, I don't, think that they chose Keanu because he was perfect for the role. I do think they chose him because they knew he could pull it off and he would have bring in viewers. A certain amount of money. Yeah. And he could pull it off. And a lot of his acting is very, um, it's, he acts with his body, very subtle in his face, but also body movements. Like mm-hmm. the way he holds himself, the way he reacts physically to people, the way he moves is very controlled and, it's really fascinating to watch. 
And he, when you read about him as an actor and you find out that for the matrix, he actually trained to be able to do all those styles of fighting for John Wick. He trained for hours to be able to fight like that and shoot like that. And like he, this is someone who has, he throws himself into every role. Yeah, he puts so it wouldn't shock me that he he probably read every single graphic novel, and he probably really, still does. He yeah, probably never stopped reading. Yes, true. comics after this happened. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, I like this movie. So okay, we'll get into our wrap up section. Uh, overall, would you recommend this movie? And it could be to anyone. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, at everyone, because obviously it's not for everyone. Again, trigger warnings. There's a lot of self-harm in this. So if that's something that is problematic for you or friends or fam, do not watch, especially now why people are trapped in their houses and, like, in their heads. <laughs> but <laughs> but in general, like... helpful helplines that have been set up by the government and already existing, and we encourage you to seek those out. Yeah. Yeah. But- if that isn't an issue or a trigger for you, then highly recommend. I always, I love recommending this movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that I recommend where I'm like, oh, you, do, you have no idea what you're getting into if you're not familiar with that graphic novel, which I find, especially with clients. I talk about movies a lot with my clients when I was tattooing. And uh, God, I miss that. <laughs> and it's one of the ones I would always either throw on because it was on Amazon Prime or Netflix. So we could throw it on at the shop judging by the crowd of people at the shop and clients, like I always kind of suss it out um, and, or recommend them to watch. And it, it takes them by surprise. And they're like, Oh, wow. I had, I, I kind of heard about it. Or I'd never heard of the, they'd never heard of the movie. And it's always a nice little feedback. They're like, yeah, it's good. Um, so I, I really enjoy it. And I don't think I've encountered a lot of people that don't actually like it. Like they're not, saying it's their favorite movie of all time, but everyone I mention it to or talk about that movie with, they're they're always like, oh yeah, I like that movie. Or it grew on me. It always grows on people. Yes, definitely. Definitely grows on you. Because every time I've watched it, I've liked it a little bit more. Because we know Keanu will is always up for a sequel, whether it's the Bill and Ted that's supposed to be coming up or the John Wicks that came one right after another. Would you want to see a sequel of this? And 100%. I would if, say, I would if, like to see Papa Midnight in it for sure. Any other characters, they could pick what they want. Mm, they would have to have the same Lucifer, same game. Like, they would just, I, I would like a lot of the same characters for me. Yeah. Definitely would like a lot of the same characters. But I would see it either way. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Peter Stamari is that Lucifer. Yeah, he was fantastic. He has to be, he's, he was perfect as Lucifer. Like that would have to be, I'd forgive anything else as long as he's still Lucifer. Yeah. And uh, general Keanu Hotless level, which is very subjective. Everyone has their favorite Keanu. Some people love your kind of skater boy twink wave from like a Bill and Ted era. Some people only like old man Keanu from uh, John Wick. Some people want your straight ahead, muscly, like Broheim, your speeds, your uh, point break, <laughs> your Johnny Utah. 
So I have chosen, because that's sort of like the middle passage of his career, uh, hotness level, one out of five Johnny Utahs, where one is whichever Keanu is least attractive to you, and five is your most attractive, and it doesn't have to be Johnny Utah. Uh, of all iterations of Keanu, where would oh, you yeah. rank this on like your hotness scale for him? A three. I yeah, I'd say that's same because he was coming off the matrix. Solid three, like a strong three. It's a strong three. He wasn't as beefy as he was even in the Matrix movies because I don't think yeah. he was training as heavily. I mean, and I don't really need beefy per se. I, yeah. I enjoy a little bit of everything. Yeah, but um, it's more for me. It's more. He's just such a downer. Yeah, and, and Constantine, <laughs> Constantine isn't supposed to look good. Like he's no, and he, but he's such a downer too. I'm like, okay, bedraggled, disheveled. Me, but I also need someone who can make me laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's where he loses some points. Yeah, not a lot of yucks. Yeah, they could have punched up the jokes. They could have had, you know, uh, a Princess Leia pass. Uh, Carrie, known for years as like a secret script doctor that punched up a lot of scripts but didn't get credit for it. Mm. So yeah, would would have been done uh, very well by having a bit of a, a Princess Leia pass on the script. Uh, is there a hot duster or trench coat? Yes. Yes. Uh, I like his look. I like that he's wet a lot. They sort of mitigate the fact that he's in multiple layers of clothes by occasionally drenching him in water, which helps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he did the the up the wet Spider Man before mm-hmm. what Spider Man happened, or was it after? Actually, I don't even know anymore. But he did it better than Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Uh, for he, he also sorry, just interrupting. He has a skinny tie, right? It, it's a slimmer tie. Yes, it's much yeah, slimmer than I the, dig that shit hard. So. Yeah, it's a good tie look. Yeah, it's a very different tie look than what you have on. Uh, Gabriel and uh, the Gavin mm-hmm. Rossdale character. So they have much more of like a thick. Mm-hmm. Like, Even Gavin Rossdale was M- M- Mumon? No. Uh, some kind of demon, whatever. I'm going to look it up because now. Oh, Balthazar. 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 That's right. He was the Havsies. Yeah. Half breed. Yeah. And uh, Keanuisms. Do we have any woes? Do we have any moments of the character? Where I say PQNUism is the moment when he wakes up out of the matrix. Like that is, that was peak casting, peak like you take the energy of this actor and what he's portrayed up to that point of somebody who always seems a little bit asleep and has just woken <laughs> up. And really like Neo, that's why Neo in the first matrix is like that perfect casting moment. But uh, for Keanuisms of, a general kind of, in many movies, maybe doe-eyed innocence in the early part of his career, or optimism, and I'd say in the back half of his career, is more um, grizzled. Stoicism. Yeah, stoicism and grizzled pragmatism. Yes. Yeah. I think this, as this character, he hits that not grizzled yet, but just this like indifferent stoic yes where his him as an actor really worked because as he's going through all these scenes with and seeing all these supernatural things and he's just kind of like yeah whatever this movie is the answer to anyone 
who doesn't want to watch any of the John Wick movies where they're like, if yes. you explain the premise of a John Wick movie and then said it's Keanu and they didn't believe that he could do it, you could say, go watch this first then. If you refuse, like if you're having some sort of one of those weird nerd fights you have with your friend where you refuse, <laughs> like, I'm not going to watch it, even though other people say whatever, whatever. I get that you think he's this. If you watch this movie, it's basically like baby John Wick. But with demons yes. and angels. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. I can agree with that statement. Yeah. Very that. Before you got daddy sexy. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, he does a great job. And uh, a bonus category that just came up with at the beginning of this is the character named John. And yes, he is. <laughs> Much like Johnny Utah and Wick and probably many others because I haven't fully gone through all of them i feel like he likes characters named john and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that yeah so overall uh thumbs up for constantine and i'd also say thumbs up for hellblazer in general again listener maybe not now depending on where you are with uh your approach to religion or any kind of occult stuff. Not everything's for everyone. And self-care is a real thing while we're in the middle of <laughs> this whole world. Give so, yourself a pedicure so that you have pedis. Yeah. <laughs> that matches the angel Gabriel. And, um, you know, do take note of the, the trigger warning for this movie. Yeah. So if it isn't something that would be an issue for you, definitely watch yeah, if you're in a dark place, uh, no. But if you're okay with that, if you're one of those dummies that was making Contagion trend the first week of this, then you're probably... <laughs> wow. Yeah. I watched Outbreak and Contagion. Yeah. World, you're making some weird choices right now. But it's fun. It's a, it's a fun look on us. Let's just lean into this. So I will hope to be back with Rihanna for another Keanu cast, maybe soon, maybe later. I'm not putting Definitely. any pressure on myself in this new world. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Because way to live. I'm still gonna be here inside. So from Ollie and Rian and Derby Derp, with the eyes a little too far apart to be cute, but still somehow pulls it <laughs> off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the second Keanu cast. And this might happen again. And Listener, if you're like that one of three people that reaches out to me, feel free to suggest which Keanu movie we do next. Thanks. Yay.